Welcome to Beyond the Paper. My name is Luke Ross, and today we have with us Aaron Downey, a chiropractor, researcher, and lecturer here at Macquarie University. How are you doing, Aaron? I'm doing well, thank you, Luke. Great. Uh, thank you for, for having me on the podcast. No worries. Uh, thank you for coming. Uh, so we'll dive right in. Your paper is about low back pain um, and imaging associated with that. Can you give us a quick idea of what your paper is about? Sure. Um, well, perhaps if I give a bit of context about the paper, um, overuse of imaging for uncomplicated back pain, we're not talking about cancer, we're not talking about um, nerve root compression. Um, it's It's been um, reported that we use over we overuse imaging and we've done that for many years despite guideline advice and study campaigns. Um, no study to date has attempted to look at all of the evidence relating to imaging for low back pain in, in one paper and we also know that imaging should be decreasing because of guideline advice that's been in place since about 1995. So we, um, we looked at um, making a systematic review um, of all of the studies that have been done since 1995 um, to try and collect in one paper um, the imaging for back pain from primary practice, emergency care. So primary practice is GPs um, predominantly. Um, emergency care, so emergency, emergency departments and allied health, which includes chiropractors, osteopaths and physiotherapists. Um, we collected all of those studies and we, we put them together in a statistical way called meta-analysis and that means we can pool the results from all those studies together to get an overall estimate of what proportion of people when they present complaining of back pain end up with some sort of imaging whether it be x-ray ct scan or mri scan great and uh, what exactly is the value of us being able to quantify how many people are being imaged Okay, so th there's there's a number of different reasons for that question, and I'll perhaps just step through them. Um, the first reason is that we suspect that imaging is being overused. And to even make that statement, you've got to know how many people are being imaged. Um, and that's, that's important point number one. We have good data from, from healthcare providers, from um, the government, um, from Medicare, that, that imaging is being overused for back pain. We also have um, guideline-based um, recommendations that says we should only be imaging for suspicion of pathology or when people don't respond to conservative care or when you've... Um, when your clinical opinion would really be changed based on an imaging result. So there, that's the basis as to why you would image. Um, we know, though, that depending on what study you'd read, that anything from, say, 5 to 50% of people, depending on the study, would end up having an image. Um, the, the, the value of this paper is we've combined um, all of those studies into one, critically looked at it and worked out um, a proportion of imaging um, for each type of patient, for each type of imaging that, that um, they present with. Um, for instance, in, in primary care, um, if you go to your doctor um, or a chiropractor 
or a physio, one in four people with low back pain will end up with an X-ray. Yet the guidelines suggest that, as I said, we should only image for pathology or non-responsiveness to care, which might only be around 5%. So we've got a 25% chance of you having an X-ray if you go to your GP with back pain, yet possibly indicated should only be up to, say, 5%, 6 or 7% at the most, based on appropriateness criteria. We can talk perhaps about that later. Likewise, if, if you go to emergency care for um, your back pain, about a third of people that present to emergency will end up with some sort of imaging from just presenting with low back pain. Um, this number seems too high, uh, but for the first time we have data to say that across all the studies so far, um, that seems to be the, the amount, the value. I, you said it uh, seems to be high. I know that to some uh, it might not, like a quarter and a third, it might not sound like a lot. So um, I'm wondering if we can talk a little bit about the risks and benefits of imaging and why it's important to sort of monitor these things. Sure. Um, at, at the outset, we, perhaps if we, we speak about chiropractic um, specifically in this case, traditionally chiropractors used imaging to help inform care. They, they measured spinal positioning. Um, they looked, they inferred spinal function from spinal positioning or, or measurement. Um, chiropractors, and I'm one of them, I'm a practicing chiropractor, um, looked at the amount of degeneration to help choose what type of care they would deliver, what sort of adjustments. Um, we now know through numerous studies that giving everyone an x-ray for those purposes does not improve health outcome. So the problem then becomes that if a patient does get imaged, we start to open up a Pandora's box of other things that can go wrong within the care. A chiropractor comes, oops, sorry, a patient comes to their chiropractor, says, I've got bad back pain. I think there might be something there. The chiropractor or GP or physio agrees and says we better get an X-ray. Very rarely will that X-ray show anything to do with the cause of their pain. I'm not talking about infection. I'm not talking about suspicion of cancer. I'm not talking about um, nerve root compression. I'm talking about someone who looks to have a strain in the back um, that might present to their clinician. If that X-ray does not show anything, Often that patient's concern is heightened because they may still have the pain. They petition their GP or chiropractor for a CT or MRI scan, so they escalate the concern. There may or may not be any finding on those imaging, or worse still, there may be a disc degeneration or some other osteophyte found on the image that helps convince the patient that that must be the cause of their pain. So... There's a heightened concern that may not be satisfied. So there may be some catastrophizing that goes on. There may be a delay in real care. The therapist may have just been better served to get in there and treat the patient from the start um, with, within the clinical examination that they have done. And worse still, there may be incidental findings that start to get blamed on, on, for that patient's problem. There's another more sinister um, look at these things is that 
there's been demonstrated iatrogenesis, which means medically induced harm from patients getting repeated x-rays. Some patients seem to get x-rays every six months to see how they're progressing. That has a real risk of increasing chance of cancer. So the very test you're getting to help you get well, supposedly, may in, in fact increase your risk of cancer. Um, the other problem is that there's a cost to these things. There's a cost to the health fund, perhaps. There's a cost to Medicare. Um, health fund, if, if you're, you're going through a different provider, but often there's a cost to Medicare if there's an X-ray or a CT scan on Medicare if you're a GP. Um, the other thing is, we step into the sinister land again, there's good research to show that people that have a financial interest in spinal imaging will order more imaging. So I'll leave that one for your own imagination. Um, but that, that is, has been clearly shown as well. Um, it speaks to a broader issue. I know I'm going off on a slight tangent here. No, that's okay. It speaks to a broader issue of low-value care. So there's a large push now in healthcare to try and reduce what's called low-value care. And we would say that imaging for simple low back pain is part of low-value care. Um, which chokes up or reduces resources for other types of um, therapies or investigation that have been shown to have good evidence. Especially um, considering that low back pain for the last however many years has been the leading global burden in first world countries? Uh, since the Global Burden of Disease study, ooh, in the 2000s, early 2000s, um, Damien Hoy, if you look him up, um, um, one of the first um, global burden disease studies. There may have been smaller studies before that. Um, I'm sorry, I don't have the date. It might be 2010. But it's been for some years now that low back pain is identified as a leading cause of years lost to disability. Um, low back pain, as you know, is now um, people are dying from low back pain through opioid addiction. So it's now attributed to, to deaths in the US and in Australia. Um, that's a little bit off topic for do I need an X-ray or some sort of imaging, but certainly it's a, it's a very common condition um, that by and large can be managed without imaging unless, and the guidelines are clear on this, unless there's non-responsive to therapy, unless you spect pathology clinically or unless um, your real clinical management would really change with the use of some sort of imaging. It's, it's fascinating to me that you can have a patient present and they have, and if you took an x-ray, their, their spine is, is gorgeous. Everything lines up really nicely and they're in 10 out of 10 pain. And then you have another patient come in and they're at 2 out of 10 pain and they come in like once a year and you x-ray their spine, and it's just a train wreck. Uh, so it's it's really interesting that imaging and pain don't correlate well. They don't correlate well at all. Um, degeneration and injury and degeneration and um, um, genetics and changes to the spine, um, they can all be shown. But as you say, there's not a clear link then to the that patient's pain on that day. 
their capacity to exercise may be changed um, because of their degenerative state. Their ability to undertake certain sports may change because of their disc status, say. Um, but those things aren't those things can be ascertained usually without imaging. A good clinical exam um, can often reveal everything you need to know to start managing that patient. And uh, a, a word of caution out there to chiropractors that might be listening to this, that image frequently. Um, imaging should not be used, and inverted quotes, as an education tool to teach the patient um, how alarmed they should be. That's called catastrophizing. Um, and that unfortunately sometimes happens um, with, with any, within any healthcare profession, either because of misguided um, clinician um, views on healthcare or through some other um, motive. Yeah, it, could, it can be quite challenging to show a patient an image where they have something that it just does not look standard and to say, no, it's, it's fine, it really is but they're looking at it and they believe what they see. So. I, I, I would say that that reassuring the patient that the majority of people at their, their age point has a certain amount of degeneration and a lot of those people don't have that pain. Therefore, we're going to work within the bounds of what they can do, not what's on their X-ray. That's if the patient presents with an X-ray. And if they're not responding, um, we can try other treatments, try other um, clinicians to look at them, or um, if they're not responding, it may be reasonable then to re-image or re-look in, in a different way. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, it's slightly sidetracked, but um, I know there was another systemic review that you participated in that uh, talked about red flags as a screening tool, and even some of those weren't necessarily strong yes. indicators from yes. memory. So my first my first paper for my PhD, I was lucky enough, um, and this is all of this work, mind you, is um, done under my PhD candidature. Um, I'm a student at the um, Institute for Musculoskeletal Health, which is part of the University of Sydney, and I was fortunate enough to work with a team of people: um, Chris Ma, Mark Hancock, um, Rochelle Bookbinder, some other. Um, luminaries in the field um, to look at how accurate our red flag questions were and red flag questions being um, questions or signs or symptoms um, that may point to um, something other than a simple back pain going on and it may lead the clinician to then want to order some sort of imaging. Um, those questions really have very little value in isolation. So most of the red flag list that you learn as a student doesn't have a lot of predictive ability to say the patient has um, a cancer or, or some other condition, unfortunately. So that was, um, I published that paper in the BMJ in 2013 um, and, and I've done four or five papers since then relating to accuracy of red flags. Um, it speaks to a problem with the guidelines. Guideline-based care, by and large, says if the patient has red, a red flag, consider imaging. The other side of that coin is that 80% 
of patients will have one red flag. So is it right to consider imaging for 80% of patients who present with back pain? The answer is clearly no, um, because 80% of patients don't have a pathology. So it's still up to the application of that red flag question in the context of their clinical situation that may lead the clinician to want to image. The guidelines have to change. The use in the guidelines, the use of, of red flags within guidelines is also changing. How frequently are the guidelines updated? Okay, so how often they're updated and how long they take to filter down into care are two different things. Guidelines will be updated typically every four to five years. Um, Roger Chow um, and colleagues in the US created the 2013 guidelines, guidelines for imaging for back pain and they have just released last year, 2018 I think, so that's about five years. Um, the rule of thumb though is that it takes around 10 years for clinical practice to fully adapt, adopt guidelines. That's... Uh Quite a long time. Uh, having said that, you get a number of clinicians when they are, uh, there's been studies done as well, a number of clinicians who are interviewed that um, would just happily disregard guidelines. Um, they are guidelines after all, so they're meant to guide care, not prescribe care. Um, the trouble though with guidelines in this context is that the same red flag questions tend to be recycled over and over again with very little evidence. And I've done some research with another epidemiologist, Ariane Verhagen. Um, we looked at what evidence for red flags underpin the guidelines and uh, it is quite poor as well. So that's that's another complicating issue for um, whether a clinician should order imaging and it may actually speak to why clinicians try to play it safe when they know that the red flag questions may not be um, as accurate as they should be. What we would like to see is that clinicians start to use clinical judgment more and look at the whole clinical scenario and take perhaps a watch and wait um, process where the clinician may say to the patient, there's some trouble here now, you're in a bad way, let's try these measures. I'm going to keep an eye on you over the next couple of weeks and if things don't progress, we may um, consider some imaging, etc. That's a watch and wait process and that seems to be a, a quite a good use of, of um, your clinical judgment. Do you think it's uh, more of a fear-driven response that more people are being imaged or it's just an old habit maybe? Yeah, so there's there's certainly habit involved. Um, the fear-driven is, is broadly called defensive imaging or defensive practice where the clinician is afraid that if they missed the cancer, they may be um, litigated. Now, that may be true, however... Um, defensive imaging is is a uh, uh, I'd hate I'm not I'm going to say the term slippery slope slippery slope is a, is a cognitive bias in itself but um, uh, sorry a fallacy in itself but what can happen is that if the clinician thinks I'm I will always sued if I don't image most people will end up being imaged but you don't detect cancers on x-rays that are accessible to the chiropractor. 
So worse still, if the chiropractor images for defensive, you may have cancer, I'm going to send you for an X-ray. The X-ray comes back and says negative. What percentage of bone destruction do you need to show up on X-ray? Oh, I can't remember. 30 <laughs> plus percent, okay? 30 yeah. plus percent. Hazel may be able to fill us in there. But you need a significant amount of bone destruction to even show up on an X-ray. So the clinician can be given a false sense of security. What they really need to do is turn on their clinical cap and let that be the best defence um, for any litigation and cross, tick all the boxes as a good clinician, not rely on an X-ray, which is, which is basically tick a box exercise. So that defensive argument really doesn't stand up. Um, if the patient hasn't progressed, of course, send them on, send them for imaging. The guidelines support that. And so would um, the, the appropriateness, all of the appropriateness literature. Hmm, absolutely. Uh, and my last question really is, uh, with the information that we've got now, so we have a figure, what's what's the next move? Okay. Um, I would like to see this study used as a standard um, for other implementation studies to measure against. Um, I would also like to see the argument around low-value care um, discussed um, in, in an increased way amongst the profession. I'm talking about the chiropractic profession here. I would like this paper to be used as a, as a blanket statement. There's always nuances, um, but in general, 25% of patients presenting for care getting an, uh, some form of imaging um, should be... Um, looked at by all professions and when there are papers written now we can refer to this study as opposed to cherry picking the evidence to suit the agenda that you may want to tell if a study is arguing that not enough x-ray is being done or there's too much being done this is meant to be a, a reasoned um, survey of the literature so where from here I think we can we can concentrate better on um, low-value care. Um, we can concentrate on um, education tools at the clinical interface. Hazel Jenkins has, has been doing some work with that, educating GPs and patients around this issue. Um, I'm working on some clinical decision support tools, which means um, some, some tools to help pharmacists better manage back pain and manage back pain if they can help at that interface, not send them on to a GP or not send them on to other therapy that might end up being imaged. Um, so the, the paper, I, I hope, has, has, will have a lot of reach because it should be a, a, a standard by which other papers um, refer to and cite. Thank you for your time, Aaron. Really appreciate it. And thank you for listening to Beyond the Paper. I've been Luke. Until next time, take care.